Dubai I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. Making Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. Yeah, welcoming a very special person into the studio for Making Tracks. She is the founder of the Maria Cristina Foundation. She came to the UAE many years ago uh, as an air hostess and on a trip to Bangladesh. She saw the plight of children in Dhaka's slums and pretty much saw the light. She decided then and there to do something about it. Our featured Making Tracks guest is an award-winning humanitarian and philanthropist, somebody who has basically done there, or been there and done that in more ways than one. She's climbed the peak of Mount Everest. She's trekked to the North Pole. Uh, she's broken world records. She's completed seven consecutive marathons on seven continents. If there is a record to be broken. She, as I said, has broken it. In fact, all her achievements have stemmed from her desire to give back to those that are less well off. And that's what made her found the Maria Christina Foundation in the very first place. It's an absolute... uh, And I must reiterate as well that the challenges have not stopped there. In fact, one of her biggest challenges is just around the corner. We'll be finding out about that one very, very shortly. And absolutely a privilege and a pleasure to welcome into the studio for making tracks none other than Maria Conceição. Maria, lovely to see you. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. Don't be silly. It's so kind of you for being with us here today on what uh, is an extraordinary story, a story that's been told um, to so many here in the region over the years that you've been here. Let's talk about the years, if we can, first and foremost. How long has Dubai been home for you now? Home has been uh, for more than 16 years now. 16 years. I came in 2003, August 2003. August is always a good time of year to arrive, <laughs> isn't it? And I was only supposed to stay here one year. And <laughs> well, look at me. <laughs> so 2003 was was the was the was the the point of your arrival. You came here for work, as I mentioned a little earlier. And obviously, we'll go through all of these in more detail. How how much? How much has the place changed? I mean, we know it's what we look out here, Maria, and this wasn't here in 2003 when you arrived. But in terms of what gets you out of bed on a morning, on a daily basis, every morning, the doing good for others, trying to encourage others to do good for others. Has that mindset changed in the 16 years that you've been here? No, n- not, not at all. Not for me. Mm. I have dedicated since I've been in Dubai. That's all I have been doing: helping people. <laughs> and do you think? Well, do you think the mindset of the rest of the population are we more willing, as a population, to give to philanthropic causes and good causes now than maybe we were? I, in my experience, in the last fifteen years, things they have changed since two thousand eight. Mm. People are a bit more concerned about their own future. Mm-hmm. You know, since recession hit globally to world and people, they lost their jobs and banks, they were closing. People, they lost their jobs. Companies, they were shutting down or hit by the recession. People, since then, they have been less given. <laughs> That's fine. You can say it, yeah. <laughs> As one of the most giving people, you can certainly say it. That you see these trends. So that's what we, we're, 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 we're referencing here. It's not what it used to be. 
It's not what it used to no, be. No, from 2005 to 2008, completely has changed. And as the optimist that you are, do you think we can get back to that stage? Do you think we will? Do you think it will come full circle and we'll start positive? Quite I right, hundred percent positive. It will happen. That's what it's all about, isn't it? We must remain positive <laughs> on this thing. Uh, that uh, positivity uh, is, of course, one of the things, the driving uh, features behind your great success in your chosen field. Uh, and we will talk about the foundation. We'll talk about the records. We'll talk about um, that epiphany for you, that, that eureka moment in just a little while. But this is uh, an hour about you. And let's start with your early days, your childhood. You're originally from Portugal, is that right? Yes, I was born in Portugal 43 years ago. Uh, a non-father. And my mother was a single mom. Yep. And she was struggling. When I was two years old, she was really struggling. She had no job. And uh, she met a poor refugee woman from Angola living in a tiny little village in Portugal. And uh, this woman, her name was Cristina. She was a refugee woman from Angola in Portugal. She was a widow. She had six kids of her own. She had never gone to school. She didn't, she didn't even know how to read and write. And when she met my mom and saw her struggling so badly, she didn't hesitate to offer help. So basically, she told my mom, you know, uh, why don't you go to Lisbon, to the city, mm. try to find a job, and I will take care of Maria until you can become independent. Yeah. So my mom left to Lisbon, and that day, neither Christina or my mom knew that my mama was to never to come back. Yeah. So I became the seventh child of Christina. Christina used to say, who feeds six, feeds seven. She had, uh, Christina lived pretty much from one day to the other. Mm. She worked really hard to try to, she struggled herself. You know, I came to find out later on that she could not even afford to buy groceries. Mm. You know, she did uh, freelance jobs as a cleaner. It was not like now you have a full-time job as a cleaner. Christina did, she never knew where the freelance jobs was coming back. So Zezinha, the owner of the, Grocery shop used to let Christina take food on credit because she always knew when she would get paid, she would pay. So this is how I started my life with Christina. Uh, she had to fight for many years with the social system in Portugal because they didn't think Christina, a poor refugee woman from Angola with six kids, uh, a cleaner could give me a good future. So Christina kept fought really hard with the social services. She she said, I made a promise to Maria's mom to take care of her until she came back, and I'm going to honor that. Unfortunately, Christina, when I was nine years old, she had a heart attack, and she passed away. So by the age of nine, I lost two moms. But her daughters, Christina's daughters, they kept the promise going, and she they took, they took care of me, even though they were struggling, starting their own lives. And then at the age of 12, I stopped going to school, Tom, but it's totally my fault. I got <laughs> expelled from a very good college, mm. a school in Portugal. I got expelled because chocolate is my weakness and I stole chocolates from other students. Yeah. So I was in a nun's. In a convent school, yeah, yeah. So that was a horrible scene. So they expelled me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Totally my fault. So from then, age of 12 to 18, I had to stay at home. Okay. And I 
took care of my children, my nephews and nieces. Mm. So my sisters, they could go work. And this is how it was, you know. And from pretty much from that point onwards, everyone in the village used to say, you know, all Maria can expect to achieve in life is to be a cleaner because she has no education. So this is my pretty much my childhood. Extraordinary, extraordinary. And, and during that, from that period of... 12 to 18 when you were staying at home and helping helping your siblings, helping the nephews and nieces as well. Um, were you self-educating at the time? Were you conscious of not being in an education system? Were you, were you somebody who was, had a thirst for knowledge and more? I always read books. Yeah. Always read, read uh, my neighbour's books. Hmm. You know, it was hard work babysitting for my nephews and nieces. <laughs> what about the... Um, what, what, when you look back on those times now, and people will be listening in, and obviously with your Portuguese roots, but growing up in a, in, 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 in a household with different sort of with, – with, with a sort of strong African um, heritage as well and all the different cultures and identities that were thrown into the mix – what what influenced you the most? Do you think what uh, as you as you grow up now? Do you have a do you call Portugal home still or not? Home is Dubai. It is for me now. And do you have a place in your heart for Portugal? Yes. I'm not very happy with Portugal at the time <laughs> being. Please don't ask me why. But I'm we won't not very go into happy. that. We don't worry about it. <laughs> and in terms of what when you, again, so you've achieved so much now. In fact, we'll get on to ah. this in a few moments' time. We will come back to this in, in just a few moments. We want to make time for the the, uh, the 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 music, if I can. We've asked you to choose four songs, yes. um, and I'd like you to tell me about your first song. What have you chosen, and why? I have chosen Footloose. Because I heard it so many times when I was a child. And sometimes my sisters, they used to have parties on the weekends. And that song kept playing over and over and over. So <laughs> It's song number one, one. <laughs> for our special guest on Making Tracks. We've got Marie Conceição with us here in the studio. If you would like to send your thoughts, your opinions, uh, or your comments, feel free to do so. The text lines are open. It's 4001. Right, let's get you footloose. Tracks, the memories, the thoughts, and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. We've got one of those great success stories with us here in studio at the moment. Um, an individual who has herself received numerous awards and recognition for her work, including the European Union Woman Innovators Award, the Emirates Humanitarian Woman of the Year 2009, Emirates Woman of the Year 2009, Most Inspiring Woman of the GCC, Sustainable Leadership Awards, Inspiring Change Awards, and many, many more. In fact, it's not just her that's received the awards, it's also the foundation that she set up as well. Uh, we're going to get onto the setup of the 
Foundation shortly, but we left um, our conversation uh, with the inspirational Maria Conceição uh, just a few moments ago in that extraordinary childhood uh, and the experiences of that childhood. So from 12 to 18, no formal education as such. And do you think that has... Do you think that's influenced? Because part and parcel of the foundation now is education, 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 the importance of education. Did your experiences influence that decision? I think so, definitely. I want my kids to have the best education that they can have so they can go to the highest level they can. Mm. You know? So when I was 18 and I left home, I left Portugal in, uh, looking for better opportunities so then, like I said, people, they said all I could expect doing in my life was being a cleaner. So I just thought if I'm to be a cleaner to re- for the rest of my life, I'm just n- not going to be a cleaner. I'm going to be the best cleaner the world has seen. I'm going to be the Ronaldo of the cleaning world. So I left to Italy. I went to Switzerland. And, you know, I always found I was never out of work. Yeah. You know, so I spent three and three three and a half years in Switzerland, and then unfortunately I was deported. <laughs> you know, cleaning, uh, working as a cleaner doesn't give you. Sure. I was working illegally in yeah. Switzerland. I didn't have a, a residence visa to do to yeah. be there. Cleaning jobs doesn't doesn't give at the time didn't give a residence visa. So from there, I just I was devastated because I had spent three and a half years in Switzerland. But I just thought, you know, I'm the Ronaldo of the cleaning world. I, I can restart my life again. Mm. So I started, decided to be smarter and I went to England. Mm. At the time, there was no bread exit. So I went to England and I started my life again, finding jobs, cleaning jobs, washing dishes in the restaurants. I had to learn the language because I didn't speak a word of English. So cleaning tables, doing ironing, uh, working in Marks and Spencer, uh, because my English was not good at the time. All I could do was putting uh, food stacking items the shelves, and stacking yeah. the shelves. Three years later, I, I learned, I, I was learned, I managed fluently the language. And, you know, when you, sometimes I had to have three, three jobs you know, a full-time job, a part-time job at night and yeah. weekend jobs just to be able to afford my expenses, rent, transport, food. And um, when you do that, I met a boy, fell in love, and he wanted to spend more time with me. So he asked me, why don't you, your English is much better now. Why don't you go to the job center and try to find a nine-to-five job? And when I went to the job center, they told me, you know, did you know there is this Middle East airline recruiting? You speak uh, Portuguese, French, and English. You have a lot of hospitality experience. Uh, Why don't you apply? Wow. So they sent my application, and six months later, I couldn't believe it. I was offered the job to be a flight attendant, to come all the way to Dubai. I felt like, honestly, Tom, I felt like I had hit the lottery. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, you know, I, I can't, <laughs> it was just, win. I want the lottery. So really. you, that was 2003 coming here for the training yes. and, uh, and for the, for, for, for all that went in with, with, with joining uh, Emirates. Um, before, I mean, that, I mean, one thing that really sort of strikes me, Maria, as talking to you is that, is that we've talked about the importance of education, which you missed out on to a certain degree, but self-educated yourself, but also that work ethic. Work, 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 work. Is that something that uh, Christina taught you? Is that something that you grew up? Is that an ethic that you've taken from 
your upbringing. Definitely. Came, is on my DNA, coming from Christina, coming from seeing my sisters and Christina. They taught me this work ethic. Mm. You know, always work really hard, do the best that you can. Be the always Ronaldo. Go, huh? Be the Ronaldo. Be, in anything I do, even if that, even if it's only washing dishes in a restaurant or cleaning tables or ironing, do the best you can do. Yeah. It's uh, it's it is the way to do things, you know. And as you say, it's it's it is obviously a mantra that has held you in such good stead uh, to that arrival in two thousand and three. And because of that, not only I was working because of this work ethic, not only I was working as a flight attendant for Emirates Airlines, I got selected to work as a VIP flight attendant wow. for Sheikh Mohammed. Okay. We're going to get on to the arrival to Dubai in just a few moments' time and at this extraordinary roll call of achievements that you have racked up since then. But not without a bit of music. Looking forward to this one. Tell us about track number... Just a quick warning to everyone out there. You might want to turn this up a little bit and have a little bit of a sing-along. Maria, what is track number two? Track number two, definitely do not stop believing. Because of my childhood... I had. It was not easy. But this song always made me believe that I could achieve better things if I didn't stop believing. It is track number two for our very special guest. The founder of the Maria Cristina Foundation is Maria Conceição. And she has chosen, well, this. Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight A singer in a smoky room A smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share the night It goes on and on and on and on Strangers waiting Up and down the boulevard Their shadows searching in the night King Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. You talk of success and you talk of success that has uh, garnered both humanitarian achievements and awards and sporting achievements and awards since the year 2007 all the way through to 2020. You know you're in the presence of a rather special individual. That is exactly who is our special guest on Making Tracks this Thursday afternoon. The founder of the Maria Cristina Foundation, Maria Conceição, is with us here. So let's go back to 2003. Uh, As you mentioned, Maria, you thought you'd hit the lottery. You thought you'd hit the nail on the head. You arrived in Dubai after all those those years of hard work and travel across Europe as well. What were your first impressions upon arriving in Dubai and taking up the role with Emirates? 
oh, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. You know, I was paid to travel all around the world, stay in five-star five star hotels. Uh, they were giving me food allowance when I was uh, outside of the country. They were paying for my rent. My, I even had the transport to go from work to go back to my home. Mm. I was meeting people from all over the world, uh, cabin crew and uh, passengers. I felt like, honestly, I was on vacation, you know. <laughs> I couldn't understand I was being paid <laughs> for that, uh, to do that. You know, primarily you're on a plane for safety and emergency procedures and to give first aid. So I never had any emergency with uh, the yeah. airline. There was rarely any first aid uh, um, mm. cases, so I just felt, my God, you know. I'm mm. it, it, when you're, uh, after the sort of training and things like that, which initially you went through, do you remember that first flight you did? Do you remember your inaugural flight where it was where it was too? Oh, it was a turnaround. May, I cannot remember where. Yeah. But you do remember a number of the destinations that you visit before that. For, I mean, you were going basically everywhere, weren't you? I was traveling everywhere to the most amazing destinations. You know, Mauritius, Seychelles, Maldives. I did a lot of flights to Australia. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> and what sort of person? Um, I've got an idea of who you are, and we've met on numerous occasions in the past. And you don't strike me as the sort of person that would, during a stopover or a turnaround, be one just to sit in your hotel room and order room service. Were you an explorer? Oh, always. I would go ask the concierge what is to be seen here, but not the main touristic items. I wanted to see the mm. other sides. You yeah. know. Talk to me about this. First trip, 2005, I think it was. You look at your schedule and it tells you that you must go to Dhaka in Bangladesh. First impressions? For me, Dhaka, well, is a new destination, never been there. Yeah. That is going to be fun, just a new destination. Um, and, I, you know, it's a two, two, two in the morning flight, you know, so I had to, at 11 o'clock, I went to the airport and I had no idea when I was in a briefing uh, discussing with the cabin crew about this flight or when I was welcoming passengers on board or even fastening my belt to take off that, that flight. It was going to completely change my life, my life and the life of the people I was going about to meet in Bangladesh. And was it one of those experiences? Did you, you got there and obviously the flight landed, you were transferred to the hotel, had a little bit of rest. You went down to the concierge desk. Uh, it, it, what, what was it? What was the moment for you but in Dhaka? For me, it hit me when you get to Bangladesh, okay. when you come out of the airport. I mean, we come, you see all these poor people. And uh, from the airport all the way to the hotel, it would take maybe 45 minutes to one hour. And it, it was so... Uh, uh, Heart-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, seeing so many poor people. Hmm. And what the cabin crew they did was... Um, closing the curtains oh, and right, okay, uh, to yeah. not see it. And that same thing happened on the way back to the airport. And when I got to Dubai, I just thought, uh, who do I want to be? Mm. Do I want to just go back home and tell my family, oh, I've been to Bangladesh and I saw so many poor people, or I want to do something about it? So uh, it was so hard for me, Tom, to imagine that people four hours four hours away from Dubai, they live in such a poverty. It was not only to lack, you know, water, electricity, living on the streets, living in the slums. Mm -hmm. uh, these people, they don't even have birth certificates. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
you know, children who live in the slums of Bangladesh, their, their future is deci- uh, defined on the day they are born. Mm-hmm. If they are born a boy, we already know they, he's likely to go and do primary education, and then he will start to work at the age of five, six, depending how uh, struggling the family is. But if you are born a girl, depending on what color you are born that day, will define your future. So if you are born uh, with, uh, what do you say, light Pale skin or pale, light skin? Light yeah, skin. Yeah. You, will, you will be promised to get married with someone in a community when you get your first period. And it will be decided on a day that you are born. If you are born with a really dark skin, black skin, you are considered that, oh my God, it's the ugliest thing ever. And no one will want to get married with you in a community. So we already know that that child at the age six, seven, eight years old will have to face a life uh, of uh, working in a garment, child labor for the rest of her life. Yeah. You know? It's, so much- it's an extraordinary choice for, such, for, for, for those so young as well. Um, but what I, don't, what I got, want to get to the bottom of here is how you, as a, I mean, what, you were 27 years old at the time, um, fairly naive, forgive me for sort of saying, et cetera, but into, how did you know then that you were going to make a difference for these people? I just thought if Christina, a poor refugee woman from Angola, who didn't have any education, didn't know how to read and write, who was just a part-time, uh, how do you say, a freelance cleaner, yeah. if she could have made so much of a difference in my life. You know, look at me at that stage of my life, Tom. I, I was about to become 27 years old. I had a job in one of the most premium airlines in the world. I lived in Dubai. I, I I was earning maybe uh, a thousand times more than what yeah. Christina had earned. So I just thought if Christina could make such a difference in my life, I I can as well. Give back. I, I can do it as well. Anyone can do it. So you get back on the return flight. You come back to Dubai. You've, you've made that promise to yourself that you are going to set up. I mean, did you make that promise straight away that you're going to set up a foundation? Or did you sit there and think, how can I help these so people? So I went to Bangladesh in April 2005. And May is my birthday. So 23 of May. And I had uh, every birthday, I always uh, treated myself to a holiday in a new country and explore for 10 days. At the time, I had a trip organized to go to New Zealand for 10 days. But uh, after I went to uh, the 24-hour layover in Bangladesh and seeing people suffering, I just thought I those 24 hours, I... I always thought I had come from a very humble background and I had came, come from poverty myself. And I didn't understand the meaning of poverty until I was in Bangladesh and I saw, uh, how do you say, these people, how they lived. And that day I thanked God for everything I had and didn't have. So, and just the same way that Christina promised my mom she was going to take care of me, I made that commitment that I was going to go back to Bangladesh on that I was going to cancel my holiday to New Zealand Mm. and I was going to do something about it. Was it easy to set up the foundation? I'm talking about the sort of the rigmarole, the the official side of it. It was so hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I never I couldn't believe, you know, I just uh, I went to Bangladesh and people, they they kept questioning me, what is your intentions? Yeah, Why do you want to help uh, go back to your country? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the people in the slums, they did not trust me. Sure. So they, they thought, 
why does uh, she take so much um, interest interest in our children? So they thought, oh, maybe she's going to take their organs out and sell them, or she's uh, wow. So there was a career, there's a real distrust. Oh, for the and then thing. yes, for and then they thought that either I'm going to take their organs, either I'm uh, I was going to take the girls for yeah, human yeah. trafficking. They didn't trust me, but the only um, it took me actually three years for the parents to absolutely trust me. So in the beginning, they joined my project, not because they understood the, um, how important it is to have an education in the future. They just joined the project because I was giving them the food they were, they were not able to afford. Maybe at the time when I met them, they had one meal a day, a plate of rice and dal. So I told them if they come to my school, I would give them uh, three main meals, snacks. We gave them the clothes they didn't have, the medical, the dental, the shoes. So... This is the only reason they, they used to come to my school in the beginning. We are going to find out more about the achievements of the foundation in just a few moments' time. We are going to play song number three. Um, and, Maria, I'm going to ask you to introduce what is one of my favourite songs and I'm glad to say one of yours as well. What is it and why? My selected song is Fix You because for, since I've been in Dubai, all I've been doing is helping people. And it has not been easy because... Everyone, sometimes, they need help. You couldn't ask for a better song to sum this one up. Maria Conceição is our special guest here on the Making Tracks segment. And this is track number three. And the tears come streaming down your face When you lose something you can't replace When you love someone but it goes to waste Could it be worse? Lights
Making Tracks, the memories, the thoughts and the songs of some of the success stories who now call the UAE home. Maria Conceição founded the Maria Cristina Foundation uh, back in 2005. She worked tirelessly to put it together. Um, talk to me about numbers now. In fact, let's just take one step before that. Let's, let, let's talk about the, the sort of upsurge because 2005, you worked tirelessly to get things moving, to convince the people back in the slums in Bangladesh that you're there to help, that you're there to support them. Try and get money from, fun, uh, from, 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 from philanthropists and those wanting to give etc then around about sort of 2010 you decide you don't things need to change here i need to get more attention on this so you do what the average person do and choose to climb mount kilimanjaro next year you did seven marathons in seven days across seven emirates in the uae then you did the north pole in 2011 then you did mount elbrus uh, and mount akangoa in 2012-2013 became the first portuguese woman to summit mount everest in 2013 five half marathons in five states in five consecutive days in 2014 uh, also five full marathons in five states five consecutive days in the same year to be followed by seven full marathons in se- and on and on and on. Why? Why? Tom, I started with 39 children. Then these 39 became 98. Then 200 children. And then 600 children. I had 101 families. Uh, support, I was supporting daily 101 families with 600 children. I had my own preschool, primary school. I had my own school. A lot of bills to pay. Mm. The first three years... I never had to ask for money. Everyone here in UAE, they knew who I was and they were supporting me. I didn't even have a website, social media, nothing. I would come home and I find uh, envelopes of money under my door and milk and uh, uh, toys and clothes, everything that I needed for the kids. Passengers, they used to ask the cabin crew, is the DACA girl on a plane? (laughs) And they used to give uh, the cabin crew envelopes of money. For my charity. So I never had to ask for money for three years. And then what happened in 2008? Mm. Recession hit globally and I started to lose my sponsors. By that stage, you know, I'm not the mother of these children, uh, Tom, but I've known them for so long. Uh, in my heart, they're like my children. Mm. So we, st- we had uh, the funding stop uh, virtually, uh, how do you say? Yeah. Disappearing. Disappearing, yeah. uh, Disappearing. And see... When you are a business, you cut on cost, right? But when you are a charity organization, how are you going to decide whose child is not going to eat today or which child is not going to have medical or is not going to have education? So I was really desperate for the funding. So I just went to, uh, on the uh, Internet, on mm. Google, and I typed what is the quickest and most efficient way of raising funds. And Google at the time told me, you know, the quickest way to raise funds is for you to know a celebrity, like Ronaldo, Angelina Jolie, Eva Longoria, um, and they become the ambassadors of your organization and you will have the money you need to put, a f- you know, that yeah. you need daily to put the food on a table, a roof over their heads. Or you have to go on a popular TV show or a radio show and everyone will know about your story and people will start donating. So I wrote to all the famous people I knew, <laughs> Uh, contacted the TV stations, uh, uh, TV stations, but you know, Tom, these famous people, they get bombarded sure. with so many requests from everywhere, and it's not that easy to get on a TV show of Oprah and Ellen yeah. and a radio show. So I kept uh, researching on the internet, and I came up 
across with an article. I don't know if you remember at the time in 2011, there was a team from England going to the North Pole and they were they had raised one million pounds and they and they had not even started and they were hoping by reaching the North Pole they were going to raise two million pounds. Mm. Now, as a mother that I am and any mother who has a child and really wants to raise the funds, wouldn't you go to the North Pole? Wouldn't you run the marathons? Wouldn't you? Go? So this is how we started. However, I didn't finish reading. I, I just thought when I read the article, I have no idea where the North where the North Pole is or what is entitled. But to raise a million pounds, I'm going to get there. Yeah. Four months later, I got to the <laughs> yeah. North Pole. I came back to Dubai. There was no million pounds. <laughs> However, Gem School here in Dubai offered a scholarship for five of our students to come from the slums of Dhaka to stay seven years in Dubai, all expenses paid. Mm. These children are now, they already completed the university now. Wow. So that was life-changing for the, these five kids, but I still had the kids in Dhaka. So that's why... Every year I, you know, and then I went back to the Google and Google said, did you know the first Jordanian man that climbed the Everest, he raised $2 million. Now, mothers with children that you urgently, you desperately want to provide them with a better future, wouldn't you climb Everest if that would help you? So this is how... It's one after the next, after the next. After the next. But now, as, so how many children's lives have you affected? So, so we educated uh, 600 children and we used... Uh, 600 children and at the moment we have 100 hmm. uh, left under a- the age of 18 yeah. <laughs> so still that influence goes on six-time guinness world record holder um how do you raise the bar what how do you sit down there and go okay what do i do next to keep the momentum going i just see i uh, i check what what are the people talking about it? Like in 2017 here in Dubai, everyone was talking about the Al-Fighter man is coming to Dubai. Everyone was talking about. So I just thought, okay, everyone is talking the world toughest race, uh, Al-Fighter man, 1.9K swim, uh, 90K bike and 21K uh, yeah. marathon is coming. Everyone is talking about that. How about I'm going to try and break a world record yeah. and get the momentum. So in 2000, this is how I decided to break a Guinness world record. So what's the next challenge? The next challenge is coming up soon. <laughs> it's coming, it was supposed to be in January, but I got injured, injured on my yeah. knee. I'm really lucky to have up and running sports yeah. medical center fixing my knee injury. And stay tuned. I will announce maybe two weeks before the challenge, but another Guinness World Record will come. My number nine, hopefully number 10 Guinness World Record is coming. April. Ah, such a champion. So many lovely messages coming through. Zines, lots of lovely messages. She's so amazing. She's a lovely lady. So honest. Thank you for everyone that texted in. Big thanks to Neil, all those team that have uh, texted in. We can't thank uh, our special guest on Making Tracks enough. She has uh, impacted the lives of so many during her extraordinary life. Um, It is a huge thanks to Maria Conceição. Maria, one final thing I need you to do. Play us out with a song for the weekend. What's it going to be? Gonna Fly Now, because it's a very empowering song, very invigorating. And also, because on the weekends, I spend many, many, many hours training. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you, mate. Thank you so much indeed for coming in. Uh, thanks for being uh, making tracks for us and keep up that extraordinary work. Thank you for having us, Tom. Uh, make sure you find out all the latest about Maria's extraordinary journey and, of course, uh, all the extraordinary work that her foundation does. It is the Maria Christina Foundation. Enjoy your weekend.
This is Dubai Eye 103.8.